Power Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. What if the daily grind, what we think of as the daily grind, our work and family drama and traffic jams, what if all of that could be the source of our enlightenment? Sensei Alex Kakuyo is my guest today, and He's here to share wisdom on applying Buddhist teachings practically in our daily lives and how his own experiences in farms, in temples, and in the U.S. Marines helped him find peace in a chaotic world. Are you ready to meet him? Sensei Alex Kakuyo is a Buddhist teacher and breathwork facilitator. A former Marine, he served in both Iraq and Afghanistan before finding the Dharma through a series of happy accidents. Sensei Alex holds a BA in philosophy from Wabash College, and his life's work is helping students bridge the gap between the finite and the infinite. His new book is Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life. And you can find out more about Alex and his work at thesameoldzen.com. Alex, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you. I'm glad that you're here. The Marines feels different from Buddhism. So Mm -hmm. what is it that led you to Buddhist practice? Sure, absolutely. So... I've been a perfectionist my entire life, going back to when I was five or six years old. I just always wanted to be the best at everything. And my self-worth was always tied to how well I performed in my daily tasks. So if we're making the bed, I want to make the bed better than anyone has ever made it on the planet. And that served me quite well, actually, for most of my life. I got very good grades. Uh, I I enlisted in the Marine Corps, served in Iraq and Afghanistan, went to college, got a job, worked my way up the corporate ladder. And the entire time, I'm accumulating more and more material things and more titles and more status and In the back of my head, I'm always thinking that this next thing will be it. This next thing, this next promotion, this next job, this next paycheck will be the item that makes me feel good about myself. Because for all of my outward success, I didn't feel very good on the inside. And the breaking point came when I got a fairly large bonus check from a sales job where I was working and they did the whole ceremony where, you know, they take you out and they give you the big check and they take a picture. Then they give you the small check that you cash. And it was a really fun experience. But then I drove back home and I remember sitting on the couch and looking at this check and just waiting for, for this good feeling to come for something to happen where I feel like, okay, I finally made it. And it never came. So at that point, out of desperation, I realized, okay, maybe I just need to try something totally different because 
this, this isn't working. So that's when I turned to spirituality and just kind of out of happenstance, I opened up a book on Buddhism and I read the first noble truth, which states life is suffering. And that's a bit scary to some people, but it was really wonderful to me. It was very enlivening to me because I was suffering a great deal at that point in my life. And I was surrounded by people who kept telling me that it was all in my head, that I should be okay. You have this sports car, you have this nice apartment. And I wasn't saying that I didn't like my car. I was just saying that my car wasn't making me happy. So reading the first noble truth, I felt like I'd found someone who understood what I was dealing with. And that really just led me down a rabbit hole where the more I learned about the practice, the more I wanted to learn. And then that brought me to present day. And it's not, we're not talking about something that you can do perfectly or be the best at. Mm-hmm. So it's a, that's a, that's a big shift, right? I can't be the best meditator on the planet or, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a very different, it's a complete shift. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that was really one of the wonderful things about the practice was that it told me I was good enough exactly as I was. Uh, we have a concept called uh, Buddha nature in Buddhism. And the idea uh, essentially is that when Buddha uh, sat under the Bodhi tree and realized enlightenment, when he got up from there and went to Deer Park, which is where all the other holy men hung out, he had this wonderful expression on his face. And he, they asked, you know, are you a god? Are you a man? He said, no, I am Tathagata which is a Sanskrit word, which means he who has come and he who has gone away. So what Buddha was essentially saying was that he still had a physical body. He was still a human being, but he had this 10,000 foot view of the world at the same time. And he could kind of see the big picture and then use that big picture view to move skillfully through the world, through daily life. Now, what's interesting is that in the Lotus Sutra, which is the last teaching he gave before he died, Buddha uses this word Tathagata to not only describe himself, but also describe the universe as a whole. Mm -hmm. So now man and universe are Buddha, are are enlightened, are awakened. And of course, the natural extension of that is because we as humans come from the universe if the universe is enlightened and we're enlightened. So what I found in Buddhism was a practice that instead of telling me I had to attain one more thing, it said I had to learn to stop attaining things, that I could just learn to be okay with who I was. And then that was enough. And it it wasn't something that I could trick my way into. I couldn't game the system. If you sit and meditate on the cushion, you're just sitting there right? There's no gain around it. There's no quote unquote best way to do it. You just have to sit and just being able to just sit and not try to figure out what do I have to do next, which is so wonderful for me. What are some of the common, would you say, misconceptions about Buddhist practice? I know the ones that I hold are, I must try really hard not to think about or care about 
anything. And then my mind just goes skittering off. Cause of course I think about and care about everything. Sure. Sure. Well, I think uh, the biggest misconception deals with the first noble truth, which I mentioned earlier, which states life is suffering. So people hear that and they think exactly what you think or thought, which is, you know, life is suffering. Therefore, I need to detach from everything and I can't care about anything because it'll just cause me pain. And that's really not what Buddha was saying. He was, and I talk about this in the book, he was using the same tone of voice that someone might use to say, it's cold outside. There's snow on the ground. You know, that's not a warning per se. It's just a statement of fact. And then it's up to us to figure out how we're going to deal with that cold, wintry day skillfully. So if we go outside and there's three feet of snow on the ground and we're wearing flip-flops and shorts, then we're going to have a very bad time. But if we wear a coat and boots and mittens, then we can go out. Day hasn't changed, still, still three feet of snow on the ground, but now we can enjoy ourselves because we prepared for it and we can you know, make snowballs and have snowball fights and build snowmen um, just because we changed our way of living in the world. And when Buddha said life is suffering, he was simply just giving us a realistic expectation of what life is like, that we are going to have pain. We are going to have sorrow. That's perfectly normal. There's nothing we can do to like make ourselves be perfect where that's not going to happen. Instead, we just accept that that's going to happen, and then we work with it, whatever it is. Um, and it's very interesting because here in the West, we have this the opposite idea that if we're doing everything correctly, then nothing should go wrong. And because of that, what happens is we don't appreciate the things that go well, and, but we really focus in on the things that go badly. Hmm. But if we flip that around to life is suffering, then now every time we're not suffering becomes, you know, a neon headlight and we notice it, right? So the hot water that comes off our faucet, the electricity in our home, um, you know, these are miraculous things that if we understand that, you know, electricity is not normal for most people in the world, uh, hot water coming out of the faucet is not normal for most people in the world. Most people have to work very hard to get these things or they don't at all, but I have them. Now we have gratitude. Now we have joy. And again, the world hasn't changed at all. It's just our mindset. It's our expectations of what we think the world is versus what it, what it actually does for us. I shared with you before we um, came on the air that your book, uh, Perfectly Ordinary, has been my before bedtime book for the last week or so. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I appreciate about it is the gentle, consistent redirection of my attention Mm-hmm. from the ways that it wants to um, <laughs> kind of run off into other things, run off down a sort of a labyrinth of my own design with all this other stuff. When I read that book, it just gently brings me back to the present moment, gently brings me back to what's right in front of me. And I believe anyway that that place, the present moment, what's right in front of us being able to be and sit in that, that's where healing is. And I feel that in your book. Were you f- kind of feeling that as you were creating it? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, because 
that's really been the entirety of my practice. And that's what I, one of the things I tried to get across in the book. You know, as someone who grew up as a perfectionist, who was always trying to make this moment a little bit better um, by saying the right thing, by doing the right thing, by wearing the right clothes, by you know, having the right job, car, apartment, etc. I I know for a fact that 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 doesn't work. <laughs> but through this practice, what I've learned that is that if I can just live in this moment as it is, whether it's happy or sad, whether it's messy or clean, whether my cat is behaving or not behaving, if I can just accept it as it is, and just sit with what's here. More often than not, it's okay. And one of the things I learned early in my own practice was that I always wanted to be somewhere else. I was never in the moment. If I was at work, I wanted to be at the gym. If I was at gym, I wanted to be home. If I was home, I wanted to be you know, with my friends. So not living in the moment caused so much suffering for me. Because again, I was always trying to make it a little bit better. But like you said, that gentle redirection where we just learn to focus and just enjoy what's here and just look around and say, you know what? This is okay. I like this. Or maybe I don't like this, but you know, it's not going to be like this forever. Just redirecting our focus can have such a huge change on our, our sense of well-being. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Sensei Alex Kakuyo. His new book is Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life. And you can find out more about Sensei Alex and his work at thesameoldsen.com. So you and I are recording this interview during a time where there is pandemic, there is social upheaval. I, what is going to happen? I don't know, talking unicorns? What's going to happen next? <laughs> How do you and how can you maybe help listeners stay in that present moment be with what is because this is uh, to me at least the times we're living in is is an amplification of the consequences of all our attachments how do we keep it together that that's a wonderful question that's a wonderful question and again it just comes back to redirecting our focus so uh, I, like everyone else, have been trapped indoors for several months and I have to wear a face mask when I go out and I'm social distancing and there's a lot of change, right? And we as human beings, we don't like change. So part of the, the practice for me has been going back to that first noble truth and the fact that suffering is a natural part of life, you know, pandemics have been happening since time immemorial. Uh, people have been inconvenienced with their favorite stores and restaurants closing from time immemorial. So this isn't something that we're not being punished for. This isn't something we need to take personally. This is just a natural part of life. And I find what that does is it takes some of the edge off of the anger and the frustration that I'm feeling, right? And then beyond that, I find, believe it or not, that this is a wonderful opportunity to experience gratitude. So, for example, I have a favorite restaurant that I love to eat at, and it's closed now because of the pandemic. And that's frustrating to me. 
But instead of focusing on the fact that I can't eat there today, what I choose to focus on instead is I redirect my focus to all the other times I was able to eat there in the past. And just expressing gratitude for the fact that I got to have that experience, that the staff was kind to me, that I enjoyed the food, that it was very close to, to my home, so I was able to walk there. And choosing to focus on, I'm glad I had that, as opposed to, I'm angry, I don't have it anymore, hmm. is, is so enlivening. And even though I, I still I want to eat there, <laughs> um, I'm able to focus on the fact that I got to eat there. So this, this memory, this thought, instead of being a source of suffering, becomes a very pleasant memory and a very pleasant experience for me. And then also thinking about how I'm living through this pandemic. Again, if life is suffering, but I'm sitting in my apartment with air conditioning and electricity and hot water coming out of the faucet, there are worse ways to live through a catastrophe, right? And if we understand that, then we recognize that this is really an opportunity to see how blessed we really are and how what a, a great job the world is doing of taking care of us. I have talked to people who have decided that during this, whatever it is for them, a downtime or it's a pause, they're really going to get into meditation. This is when they are going to knock that out of the park. They're mm-hmm. going to get the pants and the mat and the little bell thing, and they are going to do it, baby. And <laughs> then they call me and they say, my mind is racing I can't sit still. The mat, I just, I look at the mat and I run in the other direction. Mm -hmm. For people who have really kind of embraced this as a time to go within, to begin a spiritual practice, are there gentle steps that, that they can take or we can take to step into this without all the pressure? Yes, yes, absolutely. And this uh, is something we do have to be careful of because just like our job, just like, you know, our work, our, our acad- academia, let's say we're studying to get a degree, just like those things can just be one more thing on our checklist. Our spirituality can be that too. And then what ends up happening is instead of spirituality being something we do to nourish ourselves, it becomes very damaging because I didn't get to the cushion today or I didn't sit as still as I wanted to. So we do have to be very gentle with ourselves and allow ourselves to be imperfect and just accept the fact that we are already enlightened, that we are already Buddhas. So we're not trying to attain something new. We're just learning more about the spirituality we already have. So that's important first, just that mindset of we're not trying to fix ourselves. We're just learning to sit with what's already here, which is already perfect and already fine. And then also there are some gentle techniques we can use. Uh, One thing I like to teach people is something called meditative breathing. And what this is, is a technique we can use when we sit on the cushion, but we can also do it anywhere, standing in, in line at the grocery store, staying in line for the bus. And it's very simple. Uh, first step is we breathe in and out through the nose. What that does is it engages our parasympathetic nervous system. So our sympathetic nervous system is our fight 
flight or freeze response. That's what gets engaged when, you know, an angry dog is running towards us, right? And we're getting ready to do something physical. And our the way we engage that is we breathe through our mouth and we breathe very shallowly, or sometimes we hold our breath. That causes our heart rate to go up. It causes adrenaline and cortisol to be released into our body, which again, is getting us ready to go, go, go. So to do the opposite of that, we breathe in and out through the nose, and that engages our parasympathetic nervous system, sending a signal to our body that we're safe, that we're calm, and that we can relax. Okay, so that's step one. Step two is for every inhale, we extend the belly button slightly, almost like we have a big meal and we're just pushing our stomach out. Not so much that it's uncomfortable, just a little bit. But what that does is it causes our diaphragm to drop into our stomach cavity and then our lungs can expand and we get that big lung full, that deep breath of air. So again, the opposite of the shallow, quick breathing we do when we're trying to, when we're in a hurry, we're breathing in and out through the nose and we're just breathing in, extending the belly, getting a big lung full of air. And what that does is again, sends a signal to the body that we're safe, that we're calm and that we can relax. And doing that practice is very simple. It's very gentle. We can do it anywhere. It's especially good if we're struggling to get on the cushion. Maybe we just do it while we're washing dishes or listening to the radio. And of course, people always ask me, how many breaths should I take? I always suggest start with 10. And if you feel great after that, excellent. If not, do 10 more. And then you can just work your way up from there. But just taking 10 meditative breaths is something that all of us can do in this time. Now, I know as we're coming to the end of our time together, can you let the listeners know how they can find the book, but also how they can connect with you and you, your work? You do a lot of uh, writing on your website, and I know for in other places as well. So how mm-hmm. can they find you? Absolutely. So the name of the book is Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life. It's available on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. Uh, let's see, if you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do that through my blog, The Same Old Zen, which is at thesameoldzen.com, where I post articles on Buddhist practice. And then if you'd like to listen to Dharma Talks that I've posted in video format, I have a YouTube channel. It's just my name, uh, Sensei Alex Kakuyo. If you search for that on YouTube, my talks will come up, and you can interact with me that way as well. Wonderful. Now, I noticed you said Kakuyo. I've been saying Kakuyo. Have I been saying your name wrong this whole time? Oh, no, it's correct. Um, actually, both pronunciations are correct. It just, uh, I have an accent. <laughs> uh, see, but I'm trying to be perfect because I want the perfect pronunciation, the perfect number of meditative breaths. That's, <laughs> that's how I roll. <laughs> You're exposing my spiritual insufficiencies there. Um, wonderful. So that's your that's your YouTube channel as as well. What would you most like people to know? Maybe people who are feeling a little bit trapped inside, a little bit trapped by circumstances they don't feel that they can control. What would you most like them to know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times people ask me, what am I doing as a Buddhist teacher in this time? How am I getting through it? What am I doing with my day? And I, I always respond. And I want the listeners to know that I'm praying for you. So 
if you can't get to the cushion, if you can't get to the altar, if you can't practice, that's fine. I'll go there for you. I, I do a full liturgy twice a day. I pray, I chant for the good of all sentient beings. And I'm, I'm praying and chanting for you as well. Mm. That's beautiful because this is a time, I think, when we can be both uh, profoundly aware of the ways in which we are connected with each other and also profoundly aware of the many disconnections between us. So thank you for your practice and thank you for praying for me and praying for us. Thank you for having me. That is Sensei Alex Kakuyo. His new book is Perfectly Ordinary, Buddhist Teachings for Everyday Life. You can find out more about Sensei Alex and his work at thesameoldzen.com. You can find him on YouTube by looking up Sensei Alex Kakuyo. And of course, you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. That's a great place to find upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me there if you are so inclined. I agree with what Sensei Alex was saying about the importance of us holding space for each other, holding vibrational energy for each other during this time. We are alone and on our own, and we are also more together than we ever have been. If you are looking for community, intentional community in this time, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That is a site where there are lots of guided meditations for you to stream, and it's also where you can get information about the free monthly guided meditation that we offer the first Sunday of every month. That's a free 15-minute meditation focusing on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. No selling, no yelling, just peace for 15 minutes. That's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.